Welcome back into the Roto Lounge. It's your boy Brad Starks here for episode two of the Fantasy Football Team Breakdowns. Episode one was the Chicago Bears. If you didn't listen to that one, go back and find it. Tonight is the Houston Texans. And I can tell you how they've just really ruined the franchise. That management ownership has really, really ruined the Texans' potential future. And it's, it's frustrating from a fantasy perspective. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about are there any players that we want to look at for the next few years. And, and the moves that they've made, how does that affect us as dynasty owners, redraft owners? But before I get into that, you know what time it is. You know what time it is. It's time to get some bourbon. It's time to get something to drink. You go ahead and get yours. I'm going to go get mine. I'll meet you back here on the flip side. All right, I'm back, and I'm going to do a bottle crush for you tonight. I, I found on my shelf this John J. Bowman Virginia Straight Bourbon Whiskey Single Barrel. I got this a while back. I actually did a video review on YouTube. If you search for the Bourbon Lounge, I did some video reviews. You might find this one on there. This is a Buffalo Trace distillate that they shipped to Virginia, and then Virginia at this John J. Bowman distillery, they rerun it through some column stills, then they barrel it and age it and present it as John J. Bowman Pioneer Spirit. So let's check it out. I'm just going to go ahead and finish it for you here. Uh, that's probably about two to three ounces. That should make us through the episode here. So let's take a whiff of this thing. Well, so it's really opened up. I mean, I've had this on the shelf for, for months. I don't think quite a year yet. Maybe a year by now. But on the nose, I get a little bit of chocolate. Oak, vanilla, maybe a little bread. Like little bread notes. Some yeast notes. Nothing that's not pleasant. This is a very pleasant nose. Alright. On the palate. Mm, that's good. That's good. I mean, this is... They don't know... They, they haven't disclosed if this is Buffalo Trace Mash Bill 1 or Mash Bill 2. I believe it's the Mash Bill that brings the Blantons. Uh, I do get a little similarity to Blantons on, on the palate. Uh, it's not as nice as Blantons would be. I get a little orange peel. Some oak. Caramel. A hint of chocolate, a hint of chocolate. Very good, very good. A little bit of um, sweetness. <clears throat> Nothing too super exciting. It's not like a bourbon that's going to knock you on your feet. It's also not going to disappoint you. When I was in New York, all the prices for bourbon were just out of this world. You know, you talk about Weller Special Reserve retails in Ohio for like $25. In New York, it's $179. Everything's just way overpriced in New York. And the one product I found, which I didn't get, I should have, was this John J. Bowman single barrel at $63.99 on the shelf. I do have a backup bottle, and I hear that they're on the shelves all over in Virginia. That's where this, this distiller is located. It's a really solid bourbon for $60, $65. You can't go wrong with it. It's not going to knock your socks off, but it's also not going to disappoint you. It is a Buffalo Trace product. Now, 
I did read an article a while back that they're changing over to their own distillate and will no longer be getting it from Buffalo Trace. I, I guess Sazerac owns John J. Bowman. So the, the profile will change. So if I do look for it, I might look for some of the older bottles just to ensure that I have that you know Buffalo Trace distillate. Some of their new stuff, I'm not quite sure if it's transitioned over to their product yet. Um, but you know we will i will follow up with that to see before i buy some more to see if it's the new distillate or not anyways let's get into houston texans let's talk about fantasy outlook for them when we talk about dynasty we talk about redrafts what they've done to help us or hurt us and really this franchise the management has really screwed it up and and, and i will go through this really quick but it starts back when Bill O'Brien was there, the general manager, the management allowed Bill O'Brien to fire the general manager. And, and during the draft that year, the Texans had their eye on offensive tackle Andre Dillard. All the mock drafts talked about Andre Dillard going to Houston. It was widely known that they wanted Andre Dillard. He was, a, a, I think, a left tackle out of Washington State. Anyways, it during the draft, the Eagles jumped Houston to select Andre Dillard. And... Bill O'Brien was furious at that. I think after that pick, they ended up taking a different offensive lineman. Both of those offensive linemen never panned out. Andre Dillard's still on the team. I think Houston might have cut their offensive lineman. I don't even remember who it was at this point. But Bill O'Brien was furious. He, he thought it was the general manager's fault, not allowing them to get that offensive tackle. And he really went to management and wanted to get rid of the general manager. They allowed them to fire the general manager and put Bill O'Brien as the GM. And we know how he butchered that. He ended up trading DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona for, you know, for peanuts, for David Johnson. Just really butchered that. And then they let him go. They bring in David Coley for one year. Well, first they they tampered with the Patriots to get Nick Casario. So they went a year with like a fill-in general manager. They hired David Coley. Then they fired him after one season. I think they wanted Brian Flores. Brian Flores sued the NFL, so then they went with uh, Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith cost him the number one overall pick by winning the final game of the year. They fire him. They bring in D'Amico Ryans. They tra- they trade. They they take Will Allen or they take C.J. Stroud number two. They trade next year's number one and number two, I think, to Arizona to move up to take Will Allen. I mean, really have put their self in position to not have a successful team for a few years. C.J. Stroud is really going to have to be the savior of that franchise for them to to become contenders. And it's really going to affect how we look at that team moving forward. They don't have studs at any position, not a running back, not a wide receiver, not a tight end some say a quarterback i mean that's that's to be determined moving forward let's look at what they did last year when you look at fantasy football stats last year nfl.com fantasy football davis mills was the starting quarterback last year for for most of the season finished as quarterback 20 had 3100 yards 17 touchdowns 15 interceptions didn't do very well at all 181 points finished behind marcus mariota who was in atlanta Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, all these guys. I mean, I guess it wasn't too bad to finish as QB 20. It was above Andy Dalton, Mac Jones, Jacoby Brissett, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill. 
CJ Stroud, I believe, ceiling is probably around QB 20 this year. Texans spent a high draft pick on him, number two overall, but he doesn't have the weapons. He doesn't have the supporting cast to be successful, in my opinion. That's if he is going to be successful, period, at the NFL level. And I have my questions about that as well. And I guess we can kind of talk about that now. When you talk about C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields in college, Justin Fields had a really good passing completion percentage in college. His sophomore year at Ohio State, he had a 67.2% completion percentage. His final season, he had a 70.2. Overall, for his career at Ohio State, it was around a 69% completion percentage. C.J. Stroud, as a sophomore, he had a 71.9, and then as a junior, had a 66.3, right around a 69% as well. Ohio State had a really good offensive line. The quarterbacks were both surrounded by elite talent. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, first-round draft picks. Jackson Smith and Jigba, first-round draft pick. C.J. Stroud also had Marvin Harrison Jr., who's there's talk that he could be the second pick in the draft next year. I mean, that's as high as Calvin Johnson went, Larry Fitzgerald, star wide receivers. C.J. Stroud had elite, elite wide receivers, has never played with anything other than an elite wide receiver at college. Now he's going to go to Houston, and he doesn't have elite wide receivers. He doesn't have an elite offensive line, and that worries me. That worries me because at least when Justin Fields came to the NFL, he had his rushing upside to lean on. He has that 4-4 speed. Last year ran for 1,100 yards. That helps him account for his lack of passing. Now, C.J. Stroud, the one thing that he could hang his hat on is his accuracy, his passing acumen. But again, he's going to be going against guys that it's going to take them longer to get open. They're not elite, so they're going to be facing elite you know, pass coverage that they might not be able to beat. He's not going to have an offensive line that's going to allow him time to read defenses. He's going to have no choice but to rely on his legs. And he didn't show a lot of potential with his legs outside of like two or three college games. So there's questions about C.J. Stroud and whether he can be an NFL quarterback. Can he use his legs? When, when we look at quarterbacks at the NFL level, Fantasy-wise, we want a quarterback that's dual threat. We want a quarterback that can pass, and we want a quarterback that can run. One thing Davis Mills could not do was run the football. Last year, he had 108 yards rushing, and that's part of why he was QB 20. You know, everybody above him had decent amount of rushing yards, other than I guess you know Dak Prescott didn't have much. I think he was less than 200. Derek Carr, Tua. But they did have stud wide receivers. Dak Prescott had C.D. Lamb. Derek Carr had Devontae Adams. Tua Tagovailoa had Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. If C.J. Stroud does not run the football, he's going to need to throw the football to somebody. And I don't see anybody on his team that's going to perform like those studs that I just mentioned. The Devontae Adams, the C.D. Lambs, the Tyreek Hills, Jalen Waddles. They just don't have that in Houston. So... Bottom line, I'm worried about C.J. Stroud, not only for this season, not only for 2023, but 2024. They traded their picks, so they can't get a Marvin Harrison Jr. Where are they going to get a stud wide receiver to help him out? They're going to have to try to get one in free agency. What free agent that has choices is going to go to Houston, obviously, because vets want to go to a team that can get to the playoffs. You get that playoff bonus check. 
also you have that chance to win a ring. Who's going to want to go to Houston to help C.J. Stroud and help those teams out unless they really overpay a wide receiver, right? You see someone perhaps maybe a T. Higgins test free agency. Houston breaks the bank for him. But I just don't know if that's going to happen. And, and, you know, it's hard to bet on C.J. Stroud without knowing if it's going to happen or not. There are the C.J. Stroud truthers. I'm not one of them. I'm really fading C.J. Stroud in dynasty leagues, in redraft leagues. I don't want any piece of that situation. If it comes back to bite me, I can live with that. I, I can live with, you know, C.J. Stroud biting me and, and not allowing me to win. Uh, but in, in my rookies drafts, I'm fading him. I'm fading Bryce Young. I'm, I'm definitely targeting Anthony Richardson just because I see that upside with his mobility and his legs. But as far as redraft, dynasty, I'm fading C.J. Stroud. Let's go ahead and go to the wide receivers that C.J. Stroud would be throwing to. Uh, and last year, their number one receiver was Brandon Cooks, who is now in Dallas. And last year, he finished 49, wide receiver 49, 57 catches, 699 yards, and three touchdowns. When you look at the depth chart for Houston wide receivers next year, the left wide receiver is going to be Nico Collins. The right wide receiver is going to be John Mechie. That's their starters. In the slot is going to be Robert Woods, who's coming from Tennessee, 31 years old. So we can't expect too much from him. Backup wide receiver, Xavier Hutchinson is a rookie. Noah Brown coming from Dallas. Tank Dell, a second or third round draft pick. He's going to be behind Robert Woods. I wouldn't expect too much from him this season. Then later on in the in the depth chart, you have Amari Rogers, Steven Sims. Nobody to really get excited about when you look at that offense. And, and where is it going to change? How is it going to get better for this team? Nico Collins finished as wide receiver 75 last year. 37, 37 receptions, 481 yards, and two touchdowns. Robert Woods finished as wide receiver 58 last year. 53 receptions, 527 yards, and two touchdowns. He was actually Tennessee's leading receiver at age 30, 31. They released him. He was coming off an ACL tear. So if he was going to rebound this year, he could do it. But he's 31, rookie quarterback, not a very good offensive line. When you look at Fantasy Pro's ADP, the first Houston wide receiver pops up at wide receiver 67, Nico Collins, Going after Jonathan Mingo, Michael Gallup, Darnell Mooney, Rishi Rice, Sky Moore, but ahead of Rondell Moore, Adam Thielen, Romeo Dubs, KJ Osborne, Alec Pierce, Jalen Hyatt. Wow, I mean, there's the 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 who's who of nobody in that in that range of wide receivers. I mean, I guess if you're if you're going to be taking a wide receiver around that that spot, you could look for Nico Collins potentially to be the number one in Houston. I guess that wouldn't be a, a bad choice. However, he's never done anything uh, in any of the seasons that he's played. Now, the good thing about Nico Collins is that he is going into year three. And years ago in the fantasy space, the year three wide receiver breakout was a thing. Now, the fantasy consumer wants you to break out year one or year two or pretty much you're a bust. So, Nico Collins could essentially be that year three wide receiver breakout and Maybe this is somebody that we want to target around wide receiver 61. You know, Rondell Moore, 
he hasn't done anything yet either. Adam Thielen, you know, some of these receivers, it's like, it's just a dart throw. Nico Collins with limited competition. John Metchie didn't play last year, was recovering from, from cancer. Robert Woods, right now he's going as wide receiver 84 in drafts. ADP 84. This is after Chase Claypool, after Khalil Shakur, before Miko Hardman, Darius Slayton, Richie James, Tim Patrick, Joshua Palmer. Then there's Tank Dell at wide receiver 90. I can't imagine that Tank Dell is going to outperform Robert Woods unless it's later in the season. Uh, Robert Woods is probably the veteran that, that's going to be able to really maneuver on that offense. But really, just in general, this offensive passing team is nothing that we want to get excited about for fantasy. Why would we want to spend investments on Robert Woods, Tank Dell, Nico Collins, John Mechie? I mean, this offense is just going to be a mess. And I really don't want to put any draft picks on those players. I mean, like I mentioned, we might want to take a shot at Nico Collins if he is going at wide receiver 61. But I'd rather just fade the situation in general probably target running backs and, and during that stretch of the draft and let your league mates draft somebody. But again, if I was going to take a dart on somebody, perhaps Nico Collins year three would be that guy. Look, look at tight end. So Houston did spend some money in free agency. They went and they got Dalton Schultz, free agent from Dallas. He is the tight end one with really not much competition. A year ago, I was talking about Brevin Jordan. He's down to tight end three for them. And it was one of those things where you could make a case either way. He could become something, he could be be a bust. Uh, but clearly he has not developed, so Houston decided to go and, and target Dalton Schultz. And last year, among tight ends, Dalton Schultz didn't do too bad. He finished as tight end 10 with 57 receptions, 577 yards, and five touchdowns. He's probably going to be one of the leading receivers for C.J. Stroud this year. And when you look at ADP for tight ends, Dalton Schultz is going right now at tight end 12. So that's probably a safe pick to invest in Dalton Schultz around that. Um, I, I might. It's not exciting. I, I might rather have Cole Komet in that offense, but in the Chicago Bears offense. Chick Okonkwo is going at tight end 13. So right there, that 12, 13, 14 is Schultz, Okonkwo, Cole Commit. Those are all coin flip type players. And I'm not really excited of, of adding them in Dynasty either. Uh, Dalton, or, uh, Dalton Schultz had that really good year in Dallas. Did okay last year. I don't know if he's going to be an elite level talent. If he does rise the ranks of tight ends, it's due to volume. But volume is a big deal in regards to fantasy because we want our, our players to get the ball as much as possible. So with the lack of you know competition for targets, Dalton Schultz could have a big season in Houston. So we want to look at these opportunities where we can potentially grab a sleeper and gain value where that draft pick is. But when you look at Houston as a whole, the pass catchers, it's nothing exciting. Nico Collins, John Mechie, Robert Woods, Tank Dell, Dalton Schultz. I mean, this is a very poor put-together team. I think Houston is, is going to be competing for the worst team in the NFL again, which just goes back to how bad the management was because that pick, if they are the number one overall pick, that first pick is going to go to Arizona. So it's such a tragedy for the franchise. 
Hopefully they can figure something out so that they aren't the worst team. But looking at this offense, as far as pass catchers, it's nothing to get excited about. Now, the one bright spot we do have is the running back. Last year, Damian Pierce did do pretty well. I was not a big fan of his. I know the opportunity was there. He finished as fantasy running back 24, according to NFL.com Fantasy. He had 939 yards rushing, four receptions, 30 catches for 165 yards and a touchdown. Houston did add Devin Singletary, and that's going to help C.J. Stroud because, again, if he doesn't use his legs, he's going to have to dump the ball off, and Devin Singletary is there to get those receptions. So I think Houston... The backfield is going to be a two-headed committee, and that's definitely not what you want to hear about when it comes to fantasy football because we want somebody that's going to be a bell cow and someone that we can start every single week. And actually, Devin Singletary last year finished higher than Damian Pierce at, at fantasy running back 21, largely due to those receptions, 38 receptions, 280 yards, and a touchdown. He also had 819 yards and five touchdowns on the ground. So I think Damian Pierce and Singletary are going to vulture each other. Singletary should get the receptions, but Damian Pierce had 30. So he's no slouch when it comes to catching the football. So I could see these guys both finishing as running backs 21 and 24 again. I don't think that there's anything or any reason to expect one of them to really take that leap outside of an injury so i would typically avoid them if, if we look at the adp for these running backs right now damian pierce is going as running back 20 devin singletary is going as running back 50 i think that's a huge huge disparity that's 30 spots between them and i think that's really because people are expecting damian pierce to be the bell cow there but if devin singletary steals the receptions and he steals some carries He's going to shoot up way higher than, than running back 50. So right now, Damian Pierce is going ahead of DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, Alexander Madison, Dalvin Cook, James Conner, Rashad White. I would rather have all those guys over Damian Pierce. I would rather have Cam Akers for sure, Dalvin Cook for sure, Rashad White for sure. I just think those players are going to be more involved in their offenses and less competition for touches than Damian Pierce is going to have. Then when you look at Devin Singletary, he's going above Deonta Foreman, who I'd probably rather take a shot at Deonta Foreman. And we talked about that in the past episode. Raheem Moster, Tyler Algier, Roshan Johnson, Tank Bigsby, Jalen Warren. I'd probably rather have Jalen Warren than Devin Singletary because the offense is going to be better. If you're going to take a running back, you really want to find an offense that's going to be better, that's going to score some more points. And really, Houston might be the worst team in the league. So any running back that you look at is going to have potential to be better than Devin Singletary. I'd probably even rather have Chuba Hubbard over Devin Singletary this year, who's going at running back 54. That's four spots below Devin Singletary. So all in all, like I mentioned, this team is nothing to get excited about when you look at the future. Uh, it's going to take them several years. And if CJ Stroud is not the answer, they're in a lot of trouble. They need to get a franchise-level wide receiver to help C.J. Stroud. Uh, and that's definitely going to help us in fantasy as well. So looking back, if I was going to target anybody in Dynasty, it would be nobody, absolutely nobody. I'm not excited about Tank Dell, C.J. Stroud, any of these players. There's, there's much better options in the Dynasty formats. If I'm looking at redrafts, I might want to look at Robert Woods late, late, late in drafts. 
potentially could be that that safety valve for CJ Stroud. Maybe Devin Singletary if he falls. I think Damian Pierce is going way too too high for what that offense is going to be. So if I'm looking at any dart throws, Devin Singletary, Robert Woods, and then maybe Dalton Schultz. If my tight end targets are gone and I don't have any late round picks that I'm looking at, Dalton Schultz might just be a steady set it every week. Maybe he gets a few catches, 30, 40, 50 yards, maybe a touchdown here and there with a potential to be a breakout player. You know, if CJ Stroud really relies on him to be that safety valve. That's all I have for you. That's all I have for you. I'm going to go ahead and finish this John J. Bowman single barrel. Pretty decent. I would recommend it for the $63 to $65 price tag, especially with prices today. A lot of these new distilleries are pricing their whiskey very high, and it's not that good. John J. Bowman is pretty solid. It's, it's a Buffalo Trace distillate, and it's good. It's good. It's not bad, and it's not going to knock your socks off, but it's definitely worth the money these days. So hope you enjoy this episode. Stay tuned for episode three. That's going to hopefully drop tomorrow, and we'll go over that team and any possible dynasty players or redraft players that we want to target. Till next time, this has been your boy Brad Starks. Cheers.
Knocking on heaven's 